Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Walking with Spirit with Denise Iwana, Sandra Herrick, and Neshi Lokat on the Star Nations Radio Network. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Star Nations Radio Network and welcome to Walking with Spirit. It is going to be a really good show tonight. I am so excited about this topic. This is Denise Iwana Francisco, and I am not alone this evening. Other than our wonderful Mistress of Oz, who is producing in the studio, I am accompanied by Neshi Lokotz and Sandra Herrick. Good evening, ladies. Good evening. Hello there. Tonight we're going to be talking about spirit guides, guides in spirit. What do they do on the other side? Do they continue to do what they do on the other side? Do our spirit guides stay with us forever? Do they morph? Do they change? Do they shift? Do we outgrow them? And Sandy Herrick, I do believe that you uh, are the one who brought this to the table this evening. I am. I am. Uh, I believe it was uh, Lily put out the little blurb. Hey, ladies, what have you got? What do you want? And it was really quite uh, natural. All of a sudden, it was just poured right out of me. And it feels like it poured out of me because they were there wanting us to either acknowledge them or be acknowledged for being so magnificent and bigger than even what we think they are. (laughs) You know them. That's awesome. (laughs) So thank you for picking up and saying sure. I think it's a great subject matter. Hello to everybody who is filing into both of the chat rooms, both on Blog Talk and on on uh, Facebook. Good to have you all with us this evening, this evening or this morning or this afternoon, wherever you happen to be. Sandy, would you do us the honors of pulling us together in sacred space? Absolutely. As always, it's a pleasure and a deep honor to be able to initiate and activate the inner realms and the gentler vibrational forms of who we are and how we are connected to spirit. So everybody take a deep, gentle breath. Close your eyes just so that you can go inward. Be within the calm of your surroundings. Let the day drift away. And let's all be in the gratitude and offer some of our prayers to all the different places around the world right now for the incredible natural disasters that are happening and the people that are up in arms because the spirit world is really at some type of high activity with all the things that are happening. And to allow your body to become soft. Allow your mind to become inviting to any and all of the spirits that are around you. Allow your skin to be sensitive, available to feel. And allow your nervous system to be awake 
astute, attentive. And most importantly, allow your faith to expand, to allow your belief system to incorporate the many levels and vibrations and octaves and characters of what represents spirit, the mysticism of all being, in the many layers, dimensions, realms, or aspects. Allow your way of being to receive your way of being with them. I know that tonight, I truly do believe that we have been invited by them to come and speak and participate with that soft breeze between the veil. Deep breath. And thank you for coming to the show and welcome. Open your eyes and let's go. Thank you, Sandy. That was beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I love the subject of spirit guides. Some people, you know, they may be listening to this for the very first time this evening and they're thinking, huh, what is this about spirit guides? What is that anyway? Neshi, how do you define a spirit guide? Well, you know, that they're in spirit, obviously, and, and that we have many of them. It's just not one, but many. And um, I believe that there's some that incarnated uh, with us, and so they're they're always with us, kind of like a guardian angel from the beginning to the end and beyond. Um, and then there's others that are with us for a short time and do what they, they were meant to do, and they move on as we move on. And so, you know, spirit guides to me are my extreme helpers. I talk to them all the time. They're they're just part of, part of life for me. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Sandy, what about you? Well, it's really beautiful because right now the electromagnetic force fields are so active that there is truly a disturbance in force. And it's a good one in many, many ways because for me, spirit is a entity of life just as visceral as we are entities in life. They are beings. They are bodies, embodiments. And, you know, God bless the Native American aspect of the knowing that Everything has spirit. Everything belongs together. Everything is stardust. And so I know our, our eyes only see certain realms or certain vibration or certain light fractures. And when my inner eye or that vibration of shimmer is seen by that eye that sees I could say through the veil or catches light or sees phenomena when it really presents itself, validates the space that spirit may not, not, may not look like what I think it does or want it to, 
but it looks like what it is. And so obviously I believe in spirit, and I have seen spirit, and I believe that it is a, that it's alive, truly alive, and alive according to the way that their um, laws of cause and effect create them as equally as our do. And you, Dana? Well, I agree with, with what both of you were saying, and oftentimes I get asked the question, um, Dana, when it comes to spirit guides, are angels considered spirit guides? Are our loved ones who have crossed over, who have gone home, are they spirit guides? Are animals spirit guides? Are spirit guides sometimes from other realms that have never experienced humanity? Um, I believe that the answer to that is yes, that there are beings that our human mind cannot comprehend until we experience them that are also spirit guides. And I do believe, hence the name of this company, Star Nations, that the spirit guides that are coming to many of us now in this time that we're living in are very much our star relatives that come from places that we have not yet uh, fully ensconced our awareness in. Yes. Neshi, how do you feel about that? I totally agree. Um, I do believe that those of us that incarnated to be alive on earth to help ground uh, certain aspects to, to the earth plane, when we came in, we came in with some of those uh, star beams with us. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you may even recognize them as balls of light. And you never realize that that was uh, a being that's been with you for maybe from, from the very inception of your soul. Um, and so I think that some of them came in with us. And you're right. I, I also believe that others have come in to join the team, so to speak, that... Um, because we're here to do certain things at certain aspects at this time um, in this particular vibration, and we need their their assistance because it's possible that they're the only guides that have vibrated this high before that can actually mm-hmm. assist us. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's uh, you know if we if we could uh, have an artist draw this out, right? What would it look like? You know, I think that it, we we would see. Star beans. I think that we would see um, animal helpers. I think we would see maybe some of our ancestors that recently crossed. Um, I think it's it's all of the above. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Sandy. What say you? Well, I say absolutely, 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 absolutely to everything that the both of you had said. And I say absolutely because of personal experience. You know, this is not a a belief that I have. This is an experience that I have. And I know Mm -hmm. that we're all speaking from experience. So, you know, we can be saying I believe, but it comes to that place where our experience is witnessing something, and I believe in what I'm experiencing. I believe it. So, yes, I have spirit guides that are my animals. I, my very first spirit guide that I knew was a spirit guide was my grandfather who passed in a car accident before I was born, a year plus before I was born. 
and to know that there are incarnated people from other centuries that are my current Sir Charles, the people that have met Sir Charles, is a companion of mine in other lifetimes. And there's an intimacy in that companionship that is so tender and endearing. And I, as a channel, have absorbed the essence of multiple, I mean, I can't even count how many beings have nested very graciously within my body and communicated. And And that's even why I think I brought up the subject was because there's a place inside me that even misses some of the the spirits that I worked with way back in the 70s that were talking to people in the time of the 70s, what was going on in the 70s, and here we are, you know, almost 40 years later, Mm -hmm. and the world is so different, and so I feel some of the spirits different also. And like you say, Dana, you are not... um, Multiples. Bobby's having spaceship dreams and alien dreams and, you know, being dreams. And I was standing at the end the other night and a beacon of light radiated Hmm. right in front of me in a shimmer. So they're making themselves present. Is Mm -hmm. everybody else having real physical encounters now? I mean, it's as active now for me as it was in the beginning when it was like, oh, my God, something's happening. But it was it was more than something. I was involved with them to show me just how much happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. Me too. Hey, Nessie, would you talk for just a moment? And I love that Sandy brought up our extraterrestrial or our mm-hmm. star relatives. But mm-hmm. I know that there are people listening in tonight that are, you know, just Tipping their, dipping their toe into this particular pond of water. How does somebody come by getting a spirit guide? Does everybody have one? Uh, yeah, everybody has them. Um, How do you get them? The, <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of different um, theories about that, and some of them are theories because um, there's different belief systems. Um, And my belief system and how I believe my spirit guides came in with me is that when I chose this particular lifetime in the combination that I did and in um, getting the go-ahead to to come down here and learn what I was meant to learn and all of that good stuff, is that I also selected um, friends, relatives, uh, spirits, uh, souls that I know. Uh, would you please help me? Would you please play this role for me? And those spirit guides are, are beings that we know, that we know very well, um, and that their vibration is at a certain rate, a certain, as Sandy would say, a certain octave, so that when they step in during those time frames in our lives, they, they're in a position to really be able to, to guide us. They're not living our life for us, but they're, they're offering information, guiding mm-hmm. us through the, the, the labyrinth, so to speak. I was going to say the maze, but that's too much. That's too hard. Um, and so that's how I think that we, we get our guides. Um, and we get, we get them at different times along, along our path. 
some are only with us for a short time, and when when that time is done, they get to go out and do whatever they're they're going to do otherwise, and then a new guide will take that place for the next part of our journey. And so, um, so that's how I think that we get our guides. Um, are they assigned to us? I you know I guess you could say that. I mean, if they're a part of our soul contract, um, with the blessing of it for for us to even be here. Um, I guess you could say they're assigned to us, but I think it's more of a, a cooperation, more of a co-creation than it is mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a job description or, you know, colleagues kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So why question. do you both, be- yeah, this is, I love this topic and I'm curious um, from both of you ladies, why do you feel that we have spirit guides? What is their purpose? Well, that's a great question. May I go? Absolutely. Oh. It seems like other cultures have obviously been in touch with higher realms or different forms of spirituality. It's been documented. It's been carved into walls. There's cave etchings. There are temples erected to. There are different ways of communication that would use the word communicating with. I mean, the chariots in the sky with the fire and the this and the that. And I think it's really sad that our generation or our civilization right now is having a difficult time with something that other civilizations have been so natural with or used in companionship or in brotherhood, sisterhood. And so I'm feeling that there is a renaissance happening where we are tapping into the possibility of being involved again with beings or spirits at a level that could actually possibly be considered natural again so that it's just our nature to be involved with spirits rather than a um, technique to be used or a task to achieve or the surprise of do they even belong here. And when I say it, I actually grieve in some place inside me because of growing up with the quote-unquote confrontational challenge of my life being made wrong by so many people that didn't believe in what I consider natural or outside the framework of religion as spiritual. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I just want to quickly say I don't necessarily say I've, I've been assigned to God or I've been assigned a guide, but it feels like I'm with them because there's love. Mm-hmm. And something I love, or the way I love, 
attracts or manifests or just or just happens to be present in that realm of love. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful they exist and haven't been torn from our psyches completely. And at the same time, Sandy, you and I grew up Catholic, and every one of the saints that we've been taught to pray to for intercession, I would consider those spirit guides. So whether we're asking, you know, St. Anthony to help us find our car keys or St. Joseph to help us sell our home by putting them upside down in our front yard, I always think to myself that that was my first introduction really into adults talking about spirit guides because, you know, at catechism we learned about all of the saints and whether they were able to help us with measles, get pregnant, right, get a great job, sell our house, or find our lost keys. And so for me, when I found out that there were spirit guides outside of St. Saint, Saint Anthony and Teresa and Catherine and all of those good good saints, I thought, wow, oh my goodness, it's not just Catholics that believe in spirit guides. So every time a Catholic has said to me, I don't know about this whole spirit guide thing, I always say to them, okay, so you don't believe in it, but who was it that you asked for help when you lost your car keys? Who helped you sell your house when you wanted to put it on the market? And all of a sudden, their face lights up and they go, oh my (laughs) God, I've been talking to spirit guides. <laughs> this whole time, they just right. don't call them spirit guides and catechism. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it, I have to say <laughs> something that 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 uh, kind of perked my ears up when Sandy was talking about different cultures having, you know, like the cave paintings and etchings and so, that sort of uh-huh. thing. Is that, um, you know, in modern times, in the industrial human, I think that. Um, uh, depending on how far away from your tribal roots that you are, the less you you see the connection um, to the spirit guides, uh, the less that you understand them, because it's it's the removal of um, that information from generation to generation, right? And mm-hmm. um, I think that. Um, uh, that's one of the reasons why there's many people who are enamored with how the Native Americans look at this subject, right? Mm-hmm. And um, because, and I'm not saying that all Native Americans are close to their tribal roots, because there are many that are yeah. not, and mm-hmm. there's many that don't believe in any of this at all. Yeah. Um, and so, um, it it always kind of makes me smile about that because um, I remember when I first started reading about spirit guides, right? Um, I had to sit back and thought, geez, I never heard anything about this when I was growing up. You know, I heard about spirits and spirits walking with us, but I didn't know that they're, they're, we, they they call them spirit guides and our spirit animals. We knew that they were there, um, but to see it in that context, in what somebody might call a new age context, um, right. I it was kind of a, huh, Really? <laughs> and so um, it was something that I grew up with knowing that spirits were available and with me, um, but seeing them in that kind of description, you know. So anyway, when Sandy, mm-hmm. when Sandy mentioned that, it just kind of kind of perked up my ears a little bit and thought, I haven't thought about that in a long time, is 
that the generational thing, um, being further removed from that information, I mean, here we are today, and many, many, many of us are remembering the information, uh-huh. right? We might read it, right. but we're actually remembering it in our cellular structure, in our heart. And mm-hmm. I think that's the big difference. That's the pivotal point of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to say that it's so interesting because the very first time I would assume that I was introduced away from the Catholic way of being with angels and saints would be by watching black and white TV in the 50s, the -hmm. Western movies that would have Native Americans speaking about the spirit. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing to think that I'm I'm not talking about ghosts, and I can very deeply acknowledge that I had spirit guides around me that were dismissed as ghosts. Mm. And so I can see that. here I'm being visited as a child by, the, oh, I'm getting the shivers on my shivers and my shivers on my shivers. Um, it's just that that place of the 70s came along right on time for me to have someone say this is a spirit guide rather than this is a ghost or this is something dark or something evil. But the first time I ever heard the word spirit is through watching black and white TV and having some Native American character speak about the great spirit. Hmm. And therefore it was something that was connected to, and I'm going to say this because it's just the truth, people that were not white. Hmm. Hmm. White people on TV did not talk about spirit. Native American people did. And I'm saying there weren't that many. many The reality of, oh my God, you know, and I think it may be what brought a beloved feeling to the Native American of watching the cowboys and westerns because the Native Americans, the Indian, Tonto, had a spiritual background. Hopalong Cassidy didn't or, you know. So so it's interesting how that was introduced to me. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I find I find it really I found it really, really fascinating. And sometimes they still do. Um I I was astonished when I when I first found out how many non-native people had Native American guides. Okay? Yes! <laughs> and I remember and I remember looking at one of my friends and saying um, I don't know if I have any Native American guides. I called, you know, th- those those are my relatives. Those are my ancestors. So I don't, I didn't really put them into into that context or into that box that they were Native, that they were spirit guides. They they were my family. They're they're my ancestors. They're my grandmas and my grandpas. Um, I didn't put them into the box of the spirit guides at that time, you know. And uh, now I just call it my spiritual team. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of them, and <laughs> they work together. They work with me, and and help me. And so um, yeah. And you're right. There's a lot of love there uh, flowing 
back and forth all the time. And so it was in those early days, I'd say it was maybe late 80s, early 90s when I was I was shocked. I mean, I remember sitting in in a, a class and I want to say it was essential oils or I can't even remember what it was. Um but they were the t- teacher was talking about spirit guides and you know and then talking of, and actually naming people's spirit guides for them, you know, and I can see so and so and I can see so and so and I'm thinking Gee, I wonder who she's going to see. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> my grandma, my grandpa. Who are you going to see? But you know, when she got to me, there was no Native American. She saw. Oh, were star they people. white? <laughs> <laughs> there was there were star people, and um, yeah, you know. And so, it, at first, it was really kind of. Um, I, I have to be honest. I, I kind of laughed about it. I thought it was kind of funny, but now. I can understand why so many non-Native people would have Native American spirit guides. Because if you look at what we're doing to protect Grandmother Earth and helping people to remember their connection to her, and I can understand why why they would need guides that that would have that kind of information, that kind of that kind of helpfulness to to help them to remember that connection, you know. And so to me that makes perfect sense. Right. Perfect sense. I didn't. It didn't. I have to be, be honest. It didn't back in 1990. <laughs> right. But but you know, as we moved forward, it certainly does. It makes all kinds of sense. Well, for me, I want to say that the Native American consciousness of connection to spirit, I was feeling the presence of spirit throughout my whole life. I just didn't know what it was I was feeling. But the presence of them were there. And I lived uh, in our second house. We moved into the suburbs, and we actually lived in the country, and we lived in a little place called Beaver Valley, which was the residence of the Native Americans of the East Coast that were part of the tribes that our town got the name Norwalk because that tribe, and I don't, I, I, re, I apologize, I do not know the name of the tribe, but they lived there for God only knows how many thousands of years before the pilgrims came over, all that stuff. And so their presence permeated our land. Mm. And I used to go out in the backyard by myself and make thicket huts down in Beaver Valley and had full conversations. And I would say, somebody may call it a fantasy, but my experience was I was talking in that place of being with what it was what it would have been like to live as an Indian 100 years, 200 years before. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's so beautiful to feel that a child could go out into their backyard in Connecticut and that it still had the authenticity of and I'm going to do this because this is what I'm asked to do. 
do. It's not even a matter of are they Native American. Mm -hmm. It's of people who walked with nature. Right. I agree. Thank you. And people who walk with nature have a different connection with all the realms. I'm getting the Mm -hmm. shivers on my shivers. Kelly, Mm -hmm. get on the goosebumps on my goosebumps. Mm -hmm. And so people of nature have a very strong normal relationship with Mm -hmm. spirit. Mm -hmm. It's not so shocking. Because if you go to Europe, spirituality is phenomenal over there. Because of the centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries also of what, um, and it's it's not ghosts. It really is the sense of what cultures, excuse me, wow, I, I almost feel like I'm going to start channeling here. I have to be careful. <laughs> Oops. Okay, everybody, back down. <laughs> um, again, it's, it, 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 it's, I'm, I, I want to be with the love of what spirit is and not be trained to fear Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. to me is where's the natural being of being with spirits? We mm-hmm. need to come back to being allowed to be with what wants, allows us to be mm-hmm. a part of everything. Right. Right. You know, and I do believe, I do believe what you said about the connection to nature. And that's what I was getting, getting at earlier when I said, you, you know, you have generations removed from um, that connection nature and um, and so that connection to nature is actually found in everyone's backyard in everyone's DNA and everyone's um, ancestral lineage right. if they go back right. far enough that's where it is that's where it's at and right. it, it you carry it with you already and so the the, the spirit guides I believe um, help us to remember those things they put us in they give us information. They show us this. Look at that. Um, see that book? You got to yeah. read that book. Um, yeah. You know, you, you don't. You, you think you want to go sh- grocery shopping today, but no. We're we're going to put you someplace else so you can see this, and you have to drive by that. You know. Right. Yeah. So I think that they they help us to to bring that information closer to us, and if we pay attention to it. Um, it really does help us to open up um, those doors that, that need to be opened. Yeah. One of the things that I wanted to ask both of you and share myself is that place of, because I've been in the business for so long, um, some of the spirits that I was encountering when I was in my early 20s are not with me anymore. Sir Charles has been consistent. My grandfather, even he, I can visit, but he's not as consistent. Sir Charles is consistent, meaning that to this day he's with me. And footnote, when I asked what happens to them, where do they go? Sir Charles is not always available. 
There are times when he comes and people can book sessions with him. Um, he gives lectures. He used to give classes. Back in the 80s, he was, ex- he was present. I mean present. And I would also, people would come and say, well, I'd like to speak to Sir Charles. And he had choice. He did not come to speak to somebody if somebody just wanted him. Because there were times where he, when he said he had been off for a while, that he goes to a great collective unconscious console. He goes off and has his karmic encounters. The energy in my spine right now is so different than just sitting here and being normal. So Mm -hmm. I know that Charles has his own, may I say, private life on the other side. We are devoted to each other, but I'm not his only devotion. And so it's fascinating that he has relationships with the galactic. And then all of a sudden he comes back again. It's, it's beautiful to feel that a spirit chooses to grow also. part of some conscious growth or collection. So they don't necessarily know everything or they're willing to that they, they they are willing to elevate also. What do you think, ladies? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to hear from well, Dana. From my, yeah, I believe that you know they are limited in their scope of reference and understanding. And I like that you mentioned that some of our guides are with us forever and others kind of shift out and shift in. I remember as a very young girl uh, being visited by Frederick Douglass, and he still visits me. And years ago, I remember lying in bed um, at that time uh, with my former husband, and there was a bright light that came into the room, and it was the first time that he could see it. And he looked at me and he said, what on earth is that? And it was hovering right above the bed and like a halo. And it was Frederick Douglass. And um, in that time, he came to me, he always came to me as a specter of himself. And and it was later that I learned the fullness of who Frederick Douglass was. Uh, But he he came to me in, in that form of light, and he comes to me for counsel yet today. I'm very fond of this man. And I can't help but to think to myself on some time, some occasions, that he's actually a relative of mine. And the other a uh, man who has always come to me since I was just a teeny tiny little girl is kicking bear. And I drew him when I was probably 10 years old. I did a charcoal drawing of kicking bear who, uh, Chue, I know that you're in the chat room this evening. So maybe the next time that you and I are at Pine Ridge together, uh, it said that kicking bear is buried somewhere near Manderson on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And so even as a little girl, eight, ten years old, I remember him very specifically coming to me and me drawing him. And to this day, he remains at my side, both he and Frederick Douglass. Those are my first remembrances of 
two people that came to me that felt good and I felt good in their presence. They were very protective of me. They had something to teach me. And even to this day, um, they are at my side. And But I do wonder, sometimes I think to myself, even in their incarnation, showing me themselves as Frederick Douglass or Kicking Bear, if it isn't actually, when I'm ready for it, they'll show me themselves as star people because we're all star mm-hmm. people. And so sometimes I wonder if um, the spirit guides that we had in the 70s, 80s, 90s, early turn of the century here, if actually what they're morphing into and changing into is what we are now able to see or that we are okay with comprehending their star body. And so they are ascending along with our ability to understand their ascension and the teachings that come from their ascended beingness rather than their humanness as Frederick Douglass or Kicking Bear. Does that make sense to you, Neshi? Mm-hmm. It certainly does. And you know why it does? Is because energy is always changing, shifting, flowing. Yeah. Always. Always. It's always in an expansive state. And so why wouldn't our guides be growing and expanding? You know? Um, and so it makes perfect sense to me. And the perfect sense that um, how they appear to us early on in in a way that we would be able to not just understand, but embrace, you know, mm-hmm. um, getting past the shock, getting past the, um, not, uh, you know, because most of the time you're going, I didn't really see that. Did I really see that? <laughs> you know, um, or did I hear that? I don't know. Was that, was that real? And once you get past that point, uh, then they st- I think that they really do start appearing to us in, more and more in their original form, their original, yeah. in their own frequency or or octave. And sometimes, mm-hmm. um, for me, it's not necessarily a, a physical form, you know, like we would see um, a human kind of form, but many times it's more of, of a light and uh, certain colors of light and a certain sound that, that goes with that. Um, I don't necessarily uh, experience them in, in a physical form. So when you talk mm-hmm. about the shifting and changing, sometimes it's more of the color that changes and more more times it's the the tone changes rather than what they actually, you know, what they would look like in, in, as if they were physically human. Yeah. For yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Uh, Dell. Uh, is saying, I know what some of the Tankashulas say when asked these questions. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you, you're going to have to to uh, translate Tankashulas for us because not everybody in the chat room or listening to the archives will know that word. Um, the Tankashulas from uh, what Dell has taught me are the Holy Spirits. And typically in Christianity, there's a belief that there is one Holy Spirit. And in the Lakota pantheon, there are several spirits that are very holy. And so the Tankashalas are are very potent spirit guides uh, that walk or are part of Wakantanka, the great spirit. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, please, Chue, in the, uh, in the chat room, please. Mm-hmm. I don't want to misspeak. 
Yeah. It's so good that she's there. <laughs> I know. I want to say hello to everybody. Uh-huh. It's really a beautiful evening. You're, you're chock full in there tonight. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like yeah. to contribute that to know that um, in that place of my humanness, that my heritage, something of my DNA, meaning my grandfather, my mother's father, was my first spirit guide. And yet, I carried a child and boarded it. And in the hospital right after that abortion, the metaphysical experience of my grandfather appearing to me holding my child Mm. and letting me know that he had that child. The child was not dead it was transformed. And then to know that that child was named, his name is Jason, and that when Sir Charles came to me and explained to me that if I had that child, there's no, there's no rule or law that would say I was going to carry him full term or that he would live a full life until his 90s. That the experience of his being was complete in my body and that he was born into spirit. And Jason became my spirit guide. He is the one that brought me the child of God prayer. People would come to session with me and ask me who the child was that was standing next to me. Jason became an active spirit guide to so many people that were my clients. And they would tell me of their encounters with him. It brings tears to my eyes because it validated that this child that came to me because of a love so deep between the man and I who conceived him. But I knew, we knew that he would not be born to us. And yet, this man and I are very clearly Egyptian, lifetimes entwined, enmeshed, alive. That Jason would be born to spirit, to have a complete, responsible, fulfilling existence in that realm. And that it was my job to have the grief of giving him back to that realm rather than shoving him into this one and having him experience something that was not a physical life to have. It was a spiritual life to give. And the proof that was given back to me of his existence and the power of his ability to be a healer or a mentor or a treasured, loved one, many, lets me know that we interact with spirit in ways that are so spectacular that it would heal us to allow ourselves to remember they're our family also. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And it's the same with my animals. My animals, when they have passed, have showed up in physical form and have become guides. And in that guidehood, they are as endearing. You can feel them jump on the bed. You can see them walk through the room. And yet their <laughs> guidance now, Puss Puss was my very first, my black and white cat, when he passed, he literally saved my life. So I think it's important that we see that spirit guides are beloved and are ancient and young and their life is their life as active as our life is here in our realm that there may be spirit guides over there with a radio show going well do you believe in humans talking about the human <laughs> connection has anybody yeah. given you titans lately <laughs> I mean, of course that makes sense. <laughs> and what do you do? What do you do when when they don't listen to you? When you've just presented it ten different ways and they're still ignoring you? How have you handled that? <laughs> Did you ask that question? Though? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that that's probably the part of their conversation. You know, I know. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spirit guide help show or something like that, you know, for all new spirit guides. <laughs> right. Not three times, you know. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> oh, oh, Lordy. Del Marie is asking a great question. See, she is saying, why is it that people need to see? Can't you yes. feel them with you? Right. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Dana, you take that one because you do so well with the Claire's about that. Well, you know what, Chue? Well, thank you, Neshi. Chue, you are correct about that. You can feel them with you, and you can sense them about you. You can sense a presence that is outside of your own physicality once you know what your own physicality feels like. A lot of people have no idea what their body even feels like or what it feels like to be inside their body. And once we discover, you know, okay, I have this body and it feels a certain way, all of a sudden when there's a presence outside of our physicality, we can stop and ponder, hmm, what is this? What is this? Give me a sign. Who are you? To sit and to be still with our own intuition. Because I believe that each and every one of us has this magnificent gift called intuition, that when something outside of our physicality makes itself known, in a, a different vibration, in a smell, in a sound, in an absolute presence, or maybe it's something that we simply know, I'm not alone. To sit with that, who are you? What is this? You are not my body. You are not anything I am familiar with. Show me who you are. Give me a sign. Maybe you want to do a little automatic or inspired writing at that moment and allow your guide to speak to you through your pen or through your pencil to be inspired by your guide. And I know, Chue, that in the last NEP um, that I poured uh, with you in it just a few weeks ago, you were so happy because you could hear the spirits inside 
inside the NEP um, that were around um, that I called in because, as you know, Chue, there are guides that I work with inside that NEP that were gifted to me uh, with that hochoka, with that altar. And so you were happy to hear them, but you always said, but I've always known that they're with me. You didn't necessarily need to hear them to know that they were with you, but a lot of people feel that if they do not hear them, if they do not see them in some big glorious way, that they are not there. And that's simply not true. Sometimes we simply feel their presence. And I want Mm -hmm. to talk about something, ladies, we haven't touched on yet, and that is how do our guides and spirit appear to us in our dreams? Mm. Well, yeah. Um, if I'll, I'll, I'll go because in my in my dreams, I have to say that it's not a dream. It's a altered state. When I feel guidance through a dream, and some of my experiences that you just shook right back to my memory, Dana, by even mentioning it, is that I'm very much alive in my dream time or my sleep time, as if that that time was as real as the time I'm sitting right here talking to you on the radio. Mm -hmm. I forget my physicality of I'm awake when I'm over Mm -hmm. there that dimension or that frequency of a dream. I might as well be living over there and this doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And it's shocking to leave that and come back into this body and I will say it with the passion that I mean it when it happens and I wake up here there is a grief that I'm back here and I'm not over there. Mm-hmm. because that space is as real or even it feels more real sometimes and I yearn it when I was having a very big crisis when I first moved to Santa Barbara and you know really signed, sealed and delivered working for the Holy Spirit or God or whoever it was and just finally shook the sheets and said give me a job God or you know leave me alone it would be that I would I would wait to go to sleep until the wee hours of the morning, and then at 11 o'clock I would wake up and go back to sleep, and then those dreams were the dreams where I drifted into other realms. Mm-hmm. Those were some of the happiest moments of my life because I was so depressed being awake that when I woke up and went back to sleep, I went back to sleep excited because I knew I was going to that dimension and it freed me from feeling paralyzed and stupid in being a human. Has anybody ever had that experience? Hmm. Hmm. What they taught me on that side was patience. They also taught me that time was very different than the confinement of the Mm -hmm. time life is lived. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's good that we talk about that. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes our guides and spirit will lead us through times of initiation in our dream time. I don't remember ever having absolute glorious encounters with guides and spirit on the other side. My recollections of every dream that I ever have with my guides and spirit is that they're taking me through a time of initiation into the next level of teachings that I simply cannot learn on the physical plane, but that they are able to take me through and to and past on the non-physical plane. And sometimes we might um, perceive them as nightmares until we come to understand um, that it, it is a really entranceway into the upper mystery school teachings that we're experiencing um, mm-hmm. on a soul level and not on our physical level. I mean, wouldn't you say, Neshi? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a home that we always talked about our dreams. That was our breakfast table conversation. And so um, er, at an early age is being able to discern between the dreams that help you work things out, you know, the emotional stuff and, you know, uh, the test coming up and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And the difference, the, the mundane versus walking with spirit. And um, so, you know, that was, that was an early age gift. Um, because it really helped me in in my adulthood, and uh, um, so those dreams many times for me. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between awake awake in this reality and the dream world, because they're so mm-hmm. they're so similar to me. Um, when one time. <laughs> I had come home from a trip, and Paul, my husband, was waiting on information about um, his next um, promotion to major. And, um, you know, that when I got home, we were talking about it, blah, blah, blah. And the next day, I'm, I'm at my, J, my state job, and he contacts me through email. And he said, I just, got, I just got the news. And I said, yeah, I know. You got your, your promotion to major. You told me this morning. And he called me. He said, I didn't tell you anything this morning. I just found out like five minutes ago. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, well, because that's what you told me this morning. And um, and so, you know, those, and then he teases me about, yeah, sometimes you scare me. But the thing is, <laughs> is that, um, is that for me, it was, it was so, it was about, it, there was very little difference between the two for me. And that, on the other hand, the dream that I had received my medicine breath from Spirit, and basically they laid out the next 15, 18 years of my life that I didn't even know it at that time. That was in 1999. And when I was given the dress, um, to me, that was that was such such a lucid dream. Uh, there was no difference between this physical world and that. And so when Sandy's talking about that, I totally get that. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the last dream I had about um, teachers, Mm -hmm. um, very tall, star bean, very, very tall. And 
uh, I remember hearing a voice standing next to me saying, did you see that? Did you see that? They're here for you. And I said, really? For me? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I got to do this. I went up. I went up to them. And I said, I hear you're here for me. Can I, can, can I, what color is that? Because it was this electric blue. And I said, Whoa. something like, um, now I, I've seen blue before, but nothing like that before. What does it feel like wearing it? That mm-hmm. was my first question to them. And um, mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I don't remember anything else from that point on. I remember waking up and being very happy because I knew I was on to my next, my next. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when you talk about dreams, that, that that's where I get very excited about spirit guides because that's we're in the same world at that point. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. How do you feel in that moment, Neshi? Happy, yeah. joyful, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Spirit guides is, I believe, um, again one of those things along our spiritual path that we have to learn how to trust, and we have to learn uh, that we are perfectly sane when we have conversation with them when we. Uh, not only have conversation, but we do follow their guidance. And uh, Del is saying, glad you mentioned dreams. And Neshi, this, is, this was our way of life. Even now, mm-hmm. dreams are brought to the ceremonies for interpretation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. oftentimes in the ceremonies, uh, people will say, well, uh, your hochaka, your altar is based on a dream. And this last time when I was um, after the year uh, my my father passed, and I was putting the new willows on the inipi, and I took down all of the old prayer ties to burn them in a good way and bound all of the corners of the inipi uh, with brand-new fabrics. I always ask spirit, what color do I put on the inipi this time? And this time, uh, the same man who always comes through to tell me, you know, uh, this is what you need to put on the NEP this time. It's all blue and it's all red. And after the uh, this particular, the first NEP, uh, my sister Della came up to me and she said, Denise, you need to speak to this woman. She has something to tell you. She was a doorkeeper. Uh, for the ceremony and this woman oh my goodness her eyes were the eyes of half dollars and she looked at me and she said I don't understand this Dana because I was sitting out here just minding my own business and a man walked up to me and his face was painted and one half of his face was painted black and the other half of his face was painted blue on top and red on the bottom and he just looked at me very closely, and, and I looked at her and I said, Carol, what colors do you see on the NEP in the, in the uh, ties that are binding the willows? And I had her look underneath the tarps, and she said, oh, my God, it's blue on top and it's red on the bottom. And the NEP is a Western door NEP, which is the color black for me. So in that moment, the, the guides were saying to me through Carol, you got this right, you did it right. 
and those colors are very specific uh, to the dream that you have for your altar, for your hochoka. And so I, I'd like to, if we could, talk about a minute the language of our spirit guides, because sometimes it is the language of colors, and what do they mean? Sometimes it's the, the language of music or sound. They don't always say, hey, yo, Dana, <laughs> let's do this thing, and here's why we're doing it. It comes to us in symbols and archetypes and sound and, as Sandy would say, octaves. Can we talk about that for a moment? Absolutely. Do you want to go first, Nesha, or what would you like to do, ladies? <laughs> um, go ahead. That's fine. So my mother died. <laughs> And in her passing, there is such a respect for the fact that she and I were completely bonded in the beginning of our life to activate our spiritual psyches and souls. And... What's so wonderful is that in our humanness, we were each other's guides because there were times when we spoke to ourselves, you know, or spoke our had conversations where our voices shifted. And so I'm very clear that we were guided to our guides. It's not something we knew we were doing we were discovering it was being done. And there's that place of once we got there, it was a absolute potpourri of, oh my God, there's so much more out there because all of a sudden we were given permission, and I mean that, truly given permission, to accept what we were seeing throughout our whole lives as symbols of communication because we were having those communications. So when a butterfly flies by, just at that perfect moment, and I say it because tonight I was speaking to, you know her, uh, Dana, Susan Q. Brown, and I said, well, my mother died, and now you tell me where monarch monarch butterfly comes from in New England and just floats right (laughs) across my face. And as my, we speak of my mother, and I had to sit back because it was like, oh, my God, Ma, hi. Or when the wind chimes, just when you speak something or feel something, out of nowhere the wind comes, blesses you. And also when all of a sudden the clouds speak to us, it is powerful to look up and see the clouds speak to us. I see my horses in the clouds all the time, or dragons. It's amazing. And you're right, Nishi, you said it in the beginning of the program, when you go to the library, you go someplace and the book almost falls on your head, and and the page opens to where? And, you know, when all of a sudden somebody walks by and you hear in their conversation (laughs) the answer to what you're thinking in your isolation. Mm -hmm. So the signs are so 
eager to be present for us. And it's our privilege to witness it and accept it. And we need to be allowed to know that those are signs again and not go, was that a sign? Do you think Mm -hmm. that was real? It's (laughs) how much clearer does a butterfly get to be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than to be there right on time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they speak so beautifully in imagery and Mm -hmm. manifestation and color. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. emotional to know how how present they are, and mm-hmm. it's also very emotional when they're not, because I hate it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the color. I mean, yeah, the color and sound actually for me. I, I mean, I do, I do see um, on occasion the actual, you know, the the color, the ball of light. Um, and for me, I'm much more claw, clear audience, and so um, literally, I get tor- told stories to the context where I'm, I'm, I get the feeling that comes in right behind it, right? Or, or and so um, the music. A lot of times, it will be something I'm riding in the car, and a, a, a song will come on, and there's parts of it that just is. You know, you you know when when it's something that's meant for you because you literally pay. You're just like, what? What did they just say? Wait a minute, they just said that. Or you see a literally a road sign <laughs> that talks about the stars, and you haven't seen it there before. You know, and um, those kinds of things. Um, seeing those those signs and the synchronicities. Um, so the color, yeah, the color and the sound is really important. I was just thinking about um, when we first moved here, and it had been in 2006, I was teaching a two-week course here in 2007, and it was a feng shui and space clearing course. And um, students and I are sitting in the living room, and we're going over color. And um, I think we're also talking about um, uh, frequencies, earth energies and um energies that kind of interfere with us and meaning electricity and uh, those kinds of things. And, uh, and I remember seeing this next to this, one of the students, it was this, this um, blue light ball of light that kept fading in and out coming really prominent. And then it would fade back and then come on. And it turns out what she was, she was, she was, uh, she told me she was a practice, uh, um, a recovering Catholic, I think is what she said. And we were talking about prayers. And so I had asked her if she could do the the uh, Hail Mary for me because, honestly, I'd never really heard it for, before because I'm not Catholic. And so, and she said it, and she spilled it off really, really fast. You know, it's like, okay, can you say that again for me but slower? And every time she slowed down just a little bit, she said it like four times for me. And each time, by the time she got to the fourth one, she was actually pausing and and reflecting on what those words really meant. And every time she did that, this blue light would keep get, would come in and it would get brighter and more intense, you know. Wow. And later I, later I found out that this particular color blue is actually associated with Mother Mary. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right, so same class. 
we're talking about electromagnetic fields and what happens, the power in the house stops. No breakers are, are, are broken. You know, everything is like no power. We sat in the house like this for maybe a couple of hours. And, and really, I said, well, let's take advantage of this. This is what it feels like when you don't have electromagnetic currents flowing through the house and affecting you, <laughs> you know. Did I, I didn't plan it that way, but it happened. And it was able, we were able to experience that. And so we were talking about houses and currents and things like that. And that all happened in one class in one afternoon. You think you had assistance in your teaching schedule? <laughs> you think so? <laughs> I'm glad. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm Wonderful. glad it was. Uh, I'm glad it was the the power going out rather than, you know, uh, it could have gone the other direction, you know, to show the power of it. Um, this one was really to show us that this is what it feels like when you're not surrounded by that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's all not forget the first time we all gathered at Dana's house and you two all had to go downstairs and deal with whatever it was that was resurrecting downstairs. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, my God, you should have seen the memory of it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you both volunteered to go down the cellar because I don't know what that <laughs> No, I've been down those cellars in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> and then the spirit that is in your house with that, you know, being down there by myself and that thing crawling across the ceiling is like, Lord, Lord, Lord. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not well. alone. <laughs> George, leave me alone. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> there's a little bit of, of uh, interference that we could hear on the the lines as this is, yes. you know, it, it brings That's up a subject that, yeah, Rob is yeah. saying in the Facebook chat room, and this is a great a great statement. Following a spirit guide, especially when it's tied to your karma, can bear heavy costs. Mm-hmm. It's not always glamorous, is it, ladies? No, mm-hmm. no. No, no. <laughs> yeah, let's let's take that one. Uh, we've got about fifteen yeah. minutes. Let's let's do that one because I think it's pretty important. Yeah. I do too. Go for it, Neshi. It, it ain't well, always well, pretty when you follow the way that spirit guides you to go. Yeah. Oh Lord. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, <laughs> that's true. Now, is it is it um, challenging and difficult because? You're following it, kicking and screaming. Okay, I'll do it, but I'm not going to like it. Um, uh huh. Or, or is it um, challenging because um, it's making you stretch and yes. um, making making you know it uncomfortable in that stretch because your your um, wisdom base is expanding and uh, your soul growth is is expanding. It's it's too too vastly different things. Yeah. Um, both are, are challenging. Let's go with the latter. Can... Okay. The expansion. Yeah. And and you know what? Star Nations, we do this 
at least once a year, if not a couple times a year. Oh, at least. Uh, yep. At least. And um, that in that expansion, many times it's, um, it's uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And yet we know that this, this, we have to take this next step, this next mm-hmm. leap. And, um, and when we do that leap, um, being quite honest, sometimes it is uh, with my eyes closed and it's like, okay, I know you guys got us, so I'm going. You know, mm-hmm. because we're, we're, you know, our our safety net are our guides, and the the um, the being who is guiding us is White Buffalo Calf Woman, and so mm-hmm. um, having that connection with her and knowing that what we do is based in that kind of love and compassion, mm-hmm. and so that that leap isn't. Um, where we where we're going may be a little bit of a challenge because we are we are stretching sometimes we're stretched so thin uh, in the physical world because we have so many things going on all at one time um, mm-hmm. but it's a leap of faith and it's not a leap of faith in something outside of ourselves it's a leap of faith within ourselves does that make sense mhm yeah yeah, that's where mm-hmm. I would take it. But I'm not sure if that's where Rob was wanting us to go. Mm-hmm. Well, Sandy, you talk a lot about karma. And, you know, sometimes our guides say, hey, you want to know what? You've been avoiding that long enough. Come on, come on, little kitty, let's go. We need to face that karma and let's go through it. Would you talk mm-hmm. about that for a minute? Oh, gosh. Karma has that flair to it that, thank God, there's a opportunity to come back and make amends or to come back and to receive in the Dharma if it's your turn to receive. And, you know, there have been times when spirit has downright embarrassed me with its own sense of humor, but not... not necessarily embarrassed me to teach me a lesson, but to actually show me that it knows what it's doing, and that when I debate it beyond a reasonable doubt, it kind of gets me on the ground and goes, could you just stop thinking and do what it is that you really need to do so it can just get done? And then it's like, yeah, okay, fine. And then it's like, why didn't I trust? And it is amazing how good spirit is when they go, oh, you want to go down that road? When I told you to go down that road, (laughs) go ahead, see how it works. Mm -hmm. And you come back, you know, (laughs) with a little manure on your face. (laughs) You know, you've eaten a bit of humble pie, and they're sitting right there where they left you at the crossroads and go, now would you like to go down this road? And it's like, well, I just don't know. (laughs) <laughs> like you know, uh-huh. I, I always feel like that five-year-old kid with my hands on my hips. I, I don't wanna, and it's like, well, okay then, don't. <laughs> it's like, and then I come back with that little puffed-out lip. But no, I wanna. Okay, fine. Can I still do it? And they're generous when they say, "Sure, mm-hmm. go ahead." Yep. And yes, the timing is different, and everything else. And there's that beauty of knowing that. When spirit has asked me to do things where I really do stand there with a defiance of, 
you better prove to me that what you're asking me to do has value because it has involved people that I care about and it has involved Mm -hmm. the mysteries of life. Mm -hmm. And, And see, I even get that trepidation inside me when... And, and the goosebumps, here they come. When spirit is so clear, you need to go into that cave. Mm. You need to go down that corridor. You need to make that phone call. You need to go to another country, knowing nobody, or just pack up your bags and go. And to know that in listening or finally accepting the generous offer <laughs> of direction <laughs> that I was so, you know, I don't want to go, that my karma lied before me in the direction that they brought me. And in only with hindsight do we get to have the experience of the validity of the value of the experience because it is torturous. It is difficult to be ripped away from the familiar. It is unbearable to lose a loved one and be told the reason it's happened has reason. It is unbearable mm-hmm. to believe that we're learning a lesson when our skin's being pulled off of us. Mm. So spirit holds us through our torments with karma. And that is the greatest love of all. Because unfortunately, and I mean this from the bottom of my soul, I am angry at the New Age for selling spiritualism as the escape from being human and as Mm -hmm. an escape from karma. And if you believe in spirit, you get a carte blanche life. You got it right. And you don't have to feel. You don't have to. You just ask and you you receive. So for me, there's that generosity with spirit of, I'm going to get you through the hard times. It is a marriage, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And there's that beauty of knowing that some of the worst times in my life have been where spirit sent me. And only in hindsight do I see the benefit of the generosity that was given to me by being on my knees. Mm-hmm. And I, I I do not I don't I, I, I do not want to be glib with this because when suffering is suffering, it is suffering. Mm-hmm. We have to have the compassion for the person where they are, not where they're eventually gonna get. So mm-hmm. thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. This is a great subject, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It certainly is. You know, we don't we don't really understand why things had to happen the way they happened in the order in which they happened. We don't right. understand it when we're standing in the middle of it. Usually when we're mm-hmm. standing in the middle of it, it's been my experience, it's this is I'm crying, I'm this I why do I have to do this? I don't like feeling this way. And then going ahead and feeling the feelings anyway. And you feel many times like you're coming apart at the seams. It's like, mm-hmm. what is this really for? <laughs> you know? Um, but in, once you make it 
through that piece and you're thinking, holy crap, what was that? It's not until you are going through what I call the integration piece that you get to start to understand why things had to happen the way they happened in the order Mm -hmm. in which they happened. And Mm -hmm. um, some people might call it hindsight's 2020, right? Um, And that's why I think it's important that we do take the time after we've been through that initiation, after we've made it through to the other side of it, that we do take some time, a little downtime, to gestate with that, to be with that for a while, um, and not rush into, sometimes not rush into explaining it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, um, rather than getting their take on it, is to sit with it and be with your guides, be with your spirit guides, with your ancestors, with your dreams, and um, to get what it means for you, not what it means for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the time well, in... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, what I love is here we are three people and we're talking to God only knows how many. Mm. And every single one of us, the listeners and we who are speaking, have not had an easy life. And right, right. now there's a lot of ease in our life. Something's good. Or what's difficult is still graced with some goodness. And when times are bad, there's a, in my soul experience, I've been blessed with some really shitty times. And I say blessed with because it's given me the compassion, it's given me the wisdom, it's given me the grit be able to comfort people or be with people who are going through hell and high water or the sincere misery of having to be caught in their human to know that it is a phase that has that challenge that will phase in and out of time. And I only know that from experience. And I can arc the energy of being with them through the transition because it is a timing issue. Mm -hmm. And that wisdom, I believe, is part of being human. Mm -hmm. You can't get out of the human experience without having profound spectrums of life experiences. Mm -hmm. Yes. Nobody can and, and that's what I was going to say. Divine timing and the timing of our human mm-hmm. mind can mm-hmm. be completely and utterly, utterly, completely different. And yeah. there can be vast expanses. And Woof Woof is saying that he has no need to understand anything. He only needs to feel the feelings uh, to engage in the fullness of whatever it is that he's learning. For me, that moment of understanding, the moment of aha, for me, completes the circle. It completes the cycle. 
And for me, it's the, it's the teaching of the Ouroboros that says the cycle is complete. Dana, now what do you understand of this? What did you learn in the entirety of the lesson? And now that it is complete, what is the jewel that you take away for the next? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for each of us, some people don't have a need to understand. Some people have no need to forgive Some people have no need to do this or that, but to simply be, and that's fine. But for each of us in our autonomy as as beings on this earth plane, some of us like to feel when that wheel, the, the sacred hoop, comes to completion. And for me, I like that feeling when I can finally say, and it may be 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, <laughs> when I can say the, the hoop has finally been completed. And now mm-hmm. I understand. And now that the circle is complete, I can bring that teaching forward in my life. How do you feel about that, Neshi? Well, you know, when, when, you, when you bring up the, the medicine wheel, the wheel, whether it's Native American or Celtic or any wheel, um, I I really understand because been through it, right? And so I believe uh-huh. that uh, in order for us to get to the completion of that experience, is that we have to experience and experience it in all of our bodies, uh huh, in our physical, our mental, our emotional, and our spiritual bodies. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is, whether it, it's this expansion and this growing and and um, to be able to experience that initiation or whether it's a healing. Mm-hmm. That we, once we make it through all of our bodies, then we're at a completion and that we have some understanding because we've experienced it fully. That we're not negating our emotions about it, not negating... Um, that I have a pain in my physical body, but I don't know why, that we, we, we don't dismiss it, that we actually turn our attention to it. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's in that completion that we get through the initiation. I think it's very important here, for whatever reason I have to say it, so I'm being guided to say this. One of the greatest times spirit has ever guided me or comforted me in the quiet of its companionship is when my heart has been broken. Hmm. Not when I was asking for something, but that I was so broken, the annihilation of it was hopeless. Hmm. Or that, that I didn't even have fear of dying anymore because... It would be a relief. And to feel that the waste of a life was even be given a life to waste. And spirit came to me in so many different ways that it had to shape shift for me to catch its presence. And Its generosity in those moments were the simple fact that if I was if I was out and had a panic attack, that it got me home. Bless you, Bobby's here. That if I was scared to roll over in bed, it would just say, "Okay, just lay still." And it gave me comfort in the cocoon 
my own isolation because the, the world was too, it was too much. It was just too much. And so anybody out there that is in that place of the crack of their own psyche, their own soul, their heart, and feel like there's nothing that is there for you, it's exactly when spirit is more subtle and loud and asks you, all you have to do is breathe, all you have to do is be. And something in time does shift. But that walk through the desert is phenomenal. (laughs) Why are you giggling? (laughs) That old dark night of the soul, the 40 days in the desert. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. our spirit guides seemingly disappear. Yeah. <laughs> right? When we're walking those 40 days and those 40 nights, we're walking through that freaking dark night of the soul. We think, okay, where are you now? Well, you they were with you me to the five portal, minutes ago. And then they I'll say, see, I'm going to Right. I need you now. Where the hell are you? Yeah. Where do they go, Neshi? What's up with that? <laughs> the reason why I'm laughing, you know, the reason why I'm laughing is because what you guys are both talking about, I just lived through this past year. The whole thing. Ah. Right. The whole flipping thing. And so where do they go? I can tell you one thing for sure. There was one night where I couldn't even put together a prayer. Couldn't do it. Couldn't think of the words. Couldn't feel the words. Hopeless doesn't even describe it. And so what I did was I reached out to my spirit guides, my spiritual team. And I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Where are you? And what I, I, what I felt was like I was being cradled. I didn't have to do anything, nothing. Just to know that they were there, that was it. Where do they go? They're right there. Right there. We are the ones that are living this physical life. They're not. We're the ones that have to experience it, not them. So many times I think what they do is they help hold that space for us to get through whatever it is we need to get through. Right. Because they love us. We're not, we're not privileged children that that think that think, we get everything handed to us. We have to experience it. And sometimes mm-hmm. our experience drives us to that place of what it feels like to feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. Bobby wanted me to share, it's the metaphor of where was Jesus when one was suffering and that somebody's walking on the beach and they see two footprints and then all of a sudden the suffering comes and there's only one set of footprints and somebody looks back and goes, Jesus, where were you when I was so broken? He goes, those footprints are mine because I was carrying you. Thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. when we have that desolation, when we have that desperation, 
there is that place of yearning. And I would say in my soul, what we're yearning for is exactly what you said, Neshi, the comfort. Mm -hmm. Because I, too, I was so desperate at one point. I called my friend Lori in California and said, I'm broken. I'm absolutely broken. I feel nothing. I know nothing. I'm broken. And she was my guide. She was the voice that laid me in my bed, her in California, me in Montana, and was able to get me to bed and to let my body sink in until it felt being caught. Her brilliance in that moment was so impeccable because it was the only thing that gave me the care, like, ah, there it is. Something did catch me, and I could go to sleep. And it wasn't the big message. It wasn't the answer. It wasn't the solution. It wasn't what the hell's the lesson. It wasn't what am I going to do. It's you're just going to experience being crazy. And it's one of those moments that are the finest moments in my life. So thank you for reminding me of that. Mm-hmm. Because our guides can be our friends. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they love us. Mm-hmm. Mm, what a show. Thank you, ladies. Mm-hmm. A beautiful show, and thank you, Lily, for letting us go over this evening Mm -hmm. uh, here on Walking with Spirit, and thank you to everybody who joined us tonight. It's been a brilliant conversation, and it's been so good to have each and every one of you with us tonight. Absolutely. I, Final I thoughts, Nessie? And I'd, I'd stay here all cozy with you and keep talking, but it's like, you know, i got a martini waiting. <laughs> i got another spirit waiting for me over there. <laughs> oh, my. Um, my, la- my last word is, is that, you know, um, what a great topic to have for this evening. Thank you, Sandy, for bringing it to us. And, well, thank uh, you, Sam. Yeah. And thank yeah. yeah, and thank you to to Lily, the mistress of Oz, for holding that sacred space for us tonight, and uh, knowing that we are going to splash over a little bit here at the end. And uh, to all those who are are in the chat room, thank you, and those who will be mm-hmm. listening to the art shows, thank you very much. And uh, you'll catch us next month, walking with spirit, um, in our new our new home, um, called Facebook Live Stream, powered by Be Live TV. And so you'll be. Oh, I have to get seeing... dressed for that one. It's like out of my pajamas. <laughs> yep. You can come in your makeup and everything. You don't have to. You can be as you as you want okay. to be real. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, same time, same time. But you'll just be with us over on Facebook. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Lily. We hope you enjoyed Walking with Spirit with Denise Iwana, Sandra Herrick, and Neshi Lokas on the Star Nations Radio Network.